0: Hello and welcome to Money Tips. This is Charles Kelly bringing you Money Tips to help you save, earn, accumulate and ultimately enjoy more money. Today I want to talk about the seven reasons why migrants prosper. First of all, I'll go back to when I was a financial advisor. I was often uh, in a situation where we'd calculate and ask people how much they think they've earned in their lifetime. And said, so, well, I don't know. And then you start thinking, well, I've been working 20 years and you just get, get, get a rough average. It usually comes out quite... A substantial amount of money, and then I'd say to them, "How much have you got left today?" And they'd usually go, mm, they sort of squirm in their seat and shrug their shoulders, and you know, usually it, it basically wasn't very much. Uh, and th- the reason for the question was to illustrate that the lack of savings has brought them to that that situation where they are now. And you often see this, don't you? You see people on TV when. You know, unfortunately, they're, they're, they've been made redundant or they've lost their job and they say, you know, I, I lost my job and um, I, I couldn't pay my mortgage. And within a few months, they've been, you know, they've been repossessed or and, and, and basically it means that they've got no savings. And a lot of people in this country have got very little savings, only a few thousand pounds to their name, even after a lifetime's work. And it, it a little bit reminds me of an old joke and the, and where someone said, unfortunately, my peak earning years Coincided with my peak spending years. Now there is some truth in that, uh, but wouldn't it be better if your peak earning years also coincided with your peak saving years and your peak investing years? You know, I know it's hard. If, you know, you're struggling to bring up a family, put a roof over their head. Perhaps you're paying high rent. You've got a, a big mortgage. You know, I had a big mortgage when I was bringing up my family, and the mortgage was sixteen and a quarter percent at one point 16 and a quarter percent per annum. Yes. Uh, and you think of you, you lucky people on mortgages of one and a half and two percent. This was sixteen percent. It was a killer. It was like, uh, you know, literally, it was like a real killer. Um, and you know, all I can say is that, um, you know, I, I've been there myself. I, I've been struggling. I've had, I've driven around in old bangers. I turned up at the school in an old banger to drop my kids, and they'd be embarrassed, and there's smoke coming out the back, and and that sort of thing. But you know, that that was because we struggled to send our children to private schools and uh, I, I valued that more than I did having a fancy car. But it was embarrassing when you, you see people turn up in Range Rovers and Porsches and I turned up with this, it was a, it was a Dats, Datsun Sunny, <laughs> and old green thing rusting away. And I used to turn up and the kids would say, don't park it near the school. "Right, right, I'll get off here, dad. And I'll walk the rest of the way. Anyway, uh, I, I digress slightly, but all I can say is that, you know, I, you can take two families and on similar incomes and one will manage to save and the other won't. It's as simple as that. And here's, here's the golden rule, really, that people who've accumulated money have set, generally, this is what they do. They, set, they, they earn their money and set a, a percentage of that money, 10%, 20% or a monetary amount. And they put that aside and then they spend the remainder. In other words, you could call it they pay themselves first. People who are broke invariably do the opposite. They pay everybody else first, they pay their bills, they spend on consumer goods, eating out, drinking, partying, coffees, um, even more new clothes to fill up that bursting closet, shoes, club memberships, toys, gadgets, phones, and gigantic TVs that cover the whole wall, you know, smoking, dogs. um, People haven't got any money, but they've got two really expensive pedigree dogs. Um, And then after all that, they save what's left over, if anything, and of course we know that, very little is left over after that, and that—that's what I've seen. And in my days of financial services, I, I've probably mentioned this before, but I've seen families accumulate money and property and fortunes that were on pretty low minimum income type of jobs, and you know they compare that to people who are on high paying jobs. They might have been lawyers, accountants, city workers, and it was surprising how they'd managed to save very little because you know their their spending habits had risen in line with their earning habits and, you know, perhaps sometimes even more and they had more debts in fact. So it gets me onto the point of why do migrants do so well? Immigrants, migrants, whatever you want to call them. I'm not talking about migrants who come to this country, but I'm talking about people who go to America, uh, to Canada, to Australia, New Zealand. And some of those are British people as well. British people have done very, very well abroad. You know, they're they're very successful in, in Australia, New Zealand, particularly in America, Hong Kong, um, you know, because they perhaps have a different mentality when they go to a new country. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I've seen this time in my financial services and banking career. Um But I'll, I'll tell you about another career I had as well. Um But how migrants come in and within a few years, um you know, they, they've accumulated money, they've bought houses. And as I said, it's not just in this country, but one of the main reasons I think is they have completely different spending habits. And I know that people say, oh, migrants work hard, etc. But it's not just what you earn, it's what you keep. And, you know, my experience, they do live frugally, they live within their means, they save a large proportion of their income and they send money back home usually to support their families and often buying property or buying land in the home country. And in in my experience, they invariably don't spend too many of their evenings in the pub, right? Uh, And you know, they tend to be working that second job rather than, say, watching EastEnders or worrying about what's on the news, the news. Oh God, what's going to to happen to us? You know, now how do I know this? Because in addition to my financial services career, I also ran a business for 15 years recruiting overseas nurses and care workers and other types of workers into the UK for employers that could not find staff in the UK. They could not get uh, the British workers to do those jobs. So they had to go abroad and and get them. And I, I recruited from... Uh, the Philippines, from uh, African countries, uh, um, from Europe and in India as well. So, and, and uh, you know, we, we help thousands of migrants come into the UK. And I can tell you countless stories of migrants who came here with nothing, often thousands of pounds in debt to, to finance their trip and went on to become established within a few short years, buying their own properties as well. And in fact, I, I even co-wrote a book on the subject called How to Come to the UK to live work study or visit and so I do know a bit about it I've been on uh, on TV programs uh, BBC news I've been on radio shows debating with uh, the likes of Damien Green who was a shadow uh, home office minister I've met many of the home office ministers and home secretaries and I was considered an expert in this field at one time I, I had a, a blog uh, on, on immigration and I had Thousands of people, 100,000 a month coming to this blog to read. I've actually sold that business, but I've, I've had first-hand experience of how migrants work in, in this country and other countries and how they get on. And I've got lots of stories, but in the book I said, um, this book is dedicated, I think it was in, the, in the, the, the front pages here, this book is dedicated to all the hard-working migrants who arrive in the UK with nothing to declare, Except uh, their brains, talents, energy and a burning desire to succeed. I don't know if you can see that there. Uh, and and that is very true. You know, most migrants will, will enter the country with, with nothing. You can almost say nothing to declare, but they don't stay that way for very long. And, you know, many have become multimillionaires and even billionaires who came here with nothing or gone to America with nothing. So, you know, when when sometimes as as we we are born in this country and we say oh my god you know things are bad here this country's going downhill and all the, all these things you hear you know there's even a song uh by an american guy so i'm tired of america well i'm sure that you know many people would would be happy to swap places with him if he wants to go and live in africa and and someone wants to swap places with him then i don't think that person would be you know tired of america people go to america on a raft people come to the uk on the back of a lorry just to get here and set foot on soil because they know they, they can make something of it. So think about that when you perhaps take your own country for granted. And my parents were migrants as well, but I was born here. And sometimes we, you know, we're all guilty of, you know, taking this country for granted, which really offers us so much, free education, free healthcare, um, you know, so many opportunities to, to make it in this country. Even if you don't go to university, there's so many, there's apprenticeships, there's night courses, often for free or for very little amount of money. Um, you know, you can get on here so easily compared to what I've seen in countries where, you know, people are stuck in a rut. They can't get out. You know, they're stuck there and for, for, that system will keep them down. You don't have that here. You can always get on in this country and, and in places like America and, you know, Australia, Canada, Germany, all, lots of European countries as well. When I say here, I mean, you know, the first world, if you like. So I've seen, and I'll give you one story. I had a particular client who, uh, came over to the UK on a job, I think was paying less than 15,000 a year. It might have been 15,000, certainly less than sixteen or 17,000 a year. And, you know, she worked very hard. Uh, she was saved. She all saved her money, you know, kept herself to herself. But, you know, basically she was teased by her co workers for being stingy. You know, why aren't you coming out? Now, what, what are you saving your money for? You, you're tight for, you know, all this sort of stuff. But, um, you know, while they're out spending their money, she was quietly tucking it away. Uh, saving it and you know she managed to save money and and even though she had to also spend thousands of pounds you know quite a lot of money maybe 5 to 10000 pounds on getting her citizenship getting her uh, uh, her residency bringing her kids over getting them sorted out getting their residency you know it can cost you know thousands of pounds per application for this and she managed to do that and save money as well and and survive you know and send money back home to support the family as well. What you know before they and actually managed to come over here. Um, she's got her kids over here now, and after a few years, she met her her future husband. Now, she was from the Philippines originally, but her husband wasn't. I think he was from Romania, and he was also a migrant. He was he was doing okay, but she got him in hand and said, right, we're going to get get you on the savings track. So rather than us going out spending money on on expensive dates and buying each other expensive presents let's save money and buy a house. And so he he agreed to that and that's what they did. They saved money and within a couple of years they managed to buy a brand new two bedroom house um and and at that, by that time I think they'd save 50 or 60,000 pounds which is not bad considering they were both on you know fairly low incomes. They were not you know high flying city workers. They were on low incomes. Now, OK, they bought the house outside of London where they lived, but, you know, they still bought the house, you know. And, um, you know, whilst most of her co-workers were, were still renting now and paying a lot more in rent than, uh, than her mortgage. I think their mortgage is about £800 a month, where most people are paying, you know, that house to rent would be twelve fifty a month. They're, they're paying £800 a month for a mortgage. So they're buying that house and, and they're paying off that mortgage. And even then, she didn't stop there. She's managed to set up a little home-based business on the side um, and now she she manages to work part-time in the main job and, and runs this very profitable little sideline that is, is nicely building up. And she told me that her friends asked her questions like, Oh, how did you manage to do that? Wow. You know, you bought a house and you started your own business. How did you manage to do that? Well, it's obvious, isn't it? They were out spending money. She was saving money and she had that foresight and that ambition to, to do something with her life. Now, She's still careful with her money. She knows exactly where every penny is going. She knows what's coming in, what's going out. She's tracking it. They, they, you know, they, they live frugally. They don't live badly. If you go to the house, they've got a very nice house. They eat well, etc. cetera. But they keep a track on things. They know exactly what's happening. They're not saying, oh, where does it all go? I don't know where money's gone. I've spent, worked all these years. I've got nothing left. I wonder why, you know. No. And and they're still saving In addition, in her spare time, bear in mind, she works long hours. She's been promoted to manager in her job, but she's, she's doing that part time. She's running a business, has kids as well. But in her spare time, she's managed to start studying to become a mortgage advisor. She's very interested in mortgage and financial advice. And she knows already what her next plan is, is to buy a buy-to-let investment property. That's her next plan. She's already saving for that. She's already learning about more. She knows a lot already, but she wants to take those exams and get into that to that business. Uh, so it's great, isn't it? They're, they're really thinking ahead and working hard. Now, fortunately, both her and her husband have the same money philosophy and money mindset. That's important because if one is a, a massive spender and another's a saver, you know, that can cause a little bit of problems in the household. Basically, they're prepared to, to practice what I would call delayed gratification. It's, it's one of the secrets of success. That is, save now, enjoy later, not spend now and pay later. And they, they they so they save now and enjoy later for a better future for them and for their family. Now, is she worried now about what's going on in the news, the global trade war, Brexit, global recession, um you know, the, the, the China-America trade war. No, she's not worried about that. She's getting on with her life uh, and her business and building that and thinking about studying to, 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 to enhance her future prospects. Um, and she hasn't got time, frankly, to spend hours watching doom and gloom on television or too much TV news or read the newspapers. And, you know, that, that is another reason for people's success is they don't spend too much time worrying about the news and watching the news you, know, you can get sucked into the news. It's, it's always very negative, isn't it? And, you know, when I was, uh, you know, in, in the sort of migration business, I was often called onto news programmes. And I know how they make up news. It doesn't come from a, a reporter in a raincoat, you know, meeting someone in a bar and getting a story. A lot of the news is just fed to us. It's just fed by the government. So, for instance, they're, they're introducing a new law on migration. So on a Thursday or Friday, they, they know it's been released to the, the, the press and the press will hold it until, say, the Monday morning when it's going to be released on a press release. And they'll, they'll already be gathering up their sort of expert sources and their expert witnesses to talk about it. So I, I'd be on some of the, the news shows and radio and TV. So they'd say, what do you think about this new rule coming out on Monday morning? And I'd say, yeah, I'll, I'll, I can talk about that. And I'd go and read about it afterwards. Uh, so they'd book me on to, to either come on the show and, and, or, or do it down the line. But and then they might maybe have two or three guests, maybe a, a minister or an MP or or someone who's anti this or someone who's for it. And, you know, they get you on the show. And so I'd, I'd seen how the, the stories were put together. And then that will be the news for the next day or two. So that was just one story. But, you know, and that would be churned out as you go along. So a lot of the, the news is it's just contrived to, to, to feed us with stuff and. You know, if you, if you watch daytime news, you'll find it's the same news churned out all day and then you put on the radio. It's another bit, the same thing. And then in the evening, it's the same thing. And then it's in the papers as well. But anyway, I want to give you what what I think in my experience are seven reasons why migrants prosper. Now, I've seen it firsthand uh, since I've, I've grown up in this country. I've seen the migration waves coming in from. Uh, the, the first major one I remember is when uh, the, the Ugandan Asians came over, they were kicked out of Uganda by uh, Idi Amin, this, this ruthless dictator who said, get them all out, send them back to Britain, because he he asked, he reasoned that Britain had put these people, from, mainly from India, into Uganda to, to run the, the civil service at that time, which was true, and he, he felt that they were their responsibility. And he said, they're sucking the blood out of my country, get rid of them send them to England and, and they, they did, they, they left everything behind and they, they were sent to, to, to England on, on boats carrying just a suitcase and whatever they could possessions they could get. They couldn't take any money out of the country. Their homes were, were taken away. Their businesses, their money was frozen in bank accounts. So they came here with nothing. And you know, those people have done very, very well. Some of them are multi, multi millionaires. Now they've all prospered. And, uh, you know, it's amazing how they've turned their life around in, in a few short years. I've seen other waves of migrants come over uh, since then as well. It's not just them, uh, but it, it's just I find it amazing that those people have have, have done so well in, in a few short years. Now, I want to give you my seven reasons why I, I feel migrants prosper, not just in this country, but all over the world. Seven reasons. Number one, migrants save. They 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 put money aside they're not spenders; they're savers in general, right? This is what I've seen: they save money. Number two, they live frugally within their means. It doesn't mean they they go without; they live frugally. They shop frugally. They sh- you you'll, you'll see them shopping in the Lidl's, the Aldis, looking for the bargains. Um, you know, they're not going to be shopping in my in, in Marks and Spencers. And and I do this myself. You can buy in uh, in, in Lidl a whole you know trolley load for the what you you get for a basket load of stuff in in Marks and Spencer so they live frugally but not you know they're not depriving their families they just make sure they live frugally and within their means they work hard migrants work very very hard they work long hours they do part-time jobs they'll they're always willing to work they're always willing to get up early and work hard and and that's it's a great trait nothing will beat hard work and I've known migrants have two and three jobs Easily, that every spare hour they they're just working. I've seen it time and time again, and that's that enables them. So that if if their main job covers their their expenses, that little part time job bringing in sometimes only a few hundred extra pounds a month or a week will then be used for other things like saving or sending money back home or investing for a, for a future project. Migrants are ambitious. They frequently start their own business. They're ambitious in their jobs. They tend to get on. They'll study. They'll they'll go to seminars to improve themselves so they can get that promotion, and and they frequently start their own business. One of the builders I use when, when I'm refurbing houses is uh, a Romanian migrant. Done really well in this country. He's bought his house recently. Uh, fantastic hard worker. All his workers are, are hard working people too. Um, you know, I'm not using him because he's undercutting everybody. I'm using him because. He's willing to do the job. He'll do any job, big or small. He turns up on time. He gets the job done. If there's a problem, I can call him up. I haven't found the same thing with, um, unfortunately, with British tradesmen. You know, they, 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 they're they not willing to, to work as, as hard. They're not willing to turn up when you need them. Uh, that That's just the way it is. He's, he's willing and able and he'll get out there and, and work hard. And he's doing very, very well in his business. Migrants pay little attention to the news. I've already mentioned this before. They don't spend their time having their energy sucked into the news and sucked into all the negativity. They see this country as a country of opportunities, which brings us to the next point. Migrants see opportunities where the natives of the country just see problems. This is the, what I mean by that: is that we're here seeing all the problems in the country. Oh, the country's going down the hill. You hear it all the time. The, this country's finished. This country's ruined. And migrants say, no, this country is just starting. I can see a future there. So it's just a, a different mindset, a different mentality that they've got. And often you've got to go somewhere else to see the opportunities that, that are there before you, that the people in the country can't see themselves. That, that's a common trait, but they definitely see this as a land of opportunity. The streets are paved with gold for them and they just go and grab it. They grab that opportunity. And I think, lastly, I'd say that migrants certainly value education. Again, I, I know a, a, a Chinese migrant came to this country fifty years ago. Uh, he could hardly speak English, but his his family told him to work hard and study. He he got into a grammar school. Uh, bear in mind, he arrived here when he's eight nine years old, couldn't speak a word of English. Uh, got into grammar school, got to university, got a PhD eventually. Uh, has done. I mean, he's a multimillionaire. He's done super, super well in this country and all his kids, he's got them to study hard. Um, And, and I think one of them is a lawyer. One's a doctor. One's an accountant. He's he's got the the, the trouble. And one of them runs works in with him in his business. So, uh, and it's amazing how they value education. Um, And I talked about another, funny enough, another Chinese lady went, lived in the roughest area in London at that time. And you know, send her kids to state schools. And yet when I met her, one was studying to be a doctor at that time. The other was at university. And she again was on a low income job, two jobs, in fact, working in takeaways. And, you know, her kids weren't running around in the streets at night. Her two girls were indoors studying hard. Whenever I went to the house, they were there sitting on the table with their books out. And so they really value education and they also value the education in themselves. It's not just about academic education. It's about taking the courses to improve yourself, to, to enhance your career prospects. Um, like, like the lady I mentioned, who's, who's still studying and still learning to be a financial advisor. I think she's in her mid forties, but she, she said, no, I'm not too old to study. I'm going to you know, do something. I'm going to learn new things. Um, I've seen it at property seminars and property courses where, you know, a large percentage of the audience are migrants and uh, they're, they're learning things, not just reading books about history. They're learning stuff, about how they can build a business or build a property business, build an online business and get on. And they, they, they then learn that they take action. And it's amazing how within a few short years, they, they, they're buying investment properties, either with joint venture capital or or borrowed capital, but they just get on with it. They don't say, you know, that's well, I've got no money. I've got no opportunity. What am I going to do? I've got no opportunity. No, they, they see the opportunity and grab it. Now, do you have to be a migrant to follow these rules? No, you don't have to be a migrant. You can follow the migration. The seven rules of being a migrant. Now, think of yourself as a migrant. Think of what, how a migrant would think. Think of how a migrant would do, what, what a migrant would do to get on in a country and then just do it. So let's run through those again. The seven reasons migrants save, migrants live frugally within their means. Migrants work hard. Migrants are ambitious and frequently start their own businesses migrants pay little attention to the news and all the doom and gloom migrants see opportunities where unfortunately the natives see problems and migrants finally value education so that's all for today i hope you can follow those rules and uh, and get on like a migrant gets on and i wish you every success this has been charles kelly bringing you money tips to help you save earn invest accumulate and ultimately enjoy more money